and Terry, uh, you know, and Marty, uh, you know, thank you all so much. Uh, we do serve a wonderful, wonderful God, and we serve a God that is with us, and that is guiding us and guiding our steps. Last week, we, uh, you know, the message was the last message in the Christian calendar. I don't know if y'all remember me saying that, but the church calendar ended last week, and it ended with the message of the King of Kings and the day of judgment whenever we are going to stand before our God and we are going to answer Him through our Son Jesus or through our Savior Jesus Christ as we hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. As He takes the sheep and He divides them to the right and then He takes the goats and puts them on the left. The Scripture said that at that point in time, the sheep will enter into the kingdom of heaven and the goats will enter into the lake of fire. That will happen. And we start this day, the very first day of the year on our calendar, and that message is hope. And it is all about the hope that we have through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that was born some 2,000 years ago that we worship and praise Him because of what He has done for us, but we worship and praise Him because He is coming back to receive us, His children, as His brides, uh, you know, as we enter in with Him into eternity. Amen. Man, it is the hope of that that we live this life on. It is the hope and the knowledge and the trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today's message is about the hope. Today's message comes from Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. So I'm going to go ahead and have you to turn to Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9, and we'll get there, but I'm going to set the stage for you. And by setting the stage, I'm going to go to Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'm going to read part of verses 10 through 14. And it says, this is what the Lord said, when 70 years are completed from Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plan I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So we have here that whenever Jeremiah is, pre, is, is writing this, he is telling them that they will be in captivity for 70 years. But then he gives us this great passage of scripture that all the people that are in high school and normally right around their senior year and now into college, they take this passage of scripture and they quote it, uh, you know, God has a plan for me, and he knows that plan, and that plan is for me to prosper, and that no harm would be given to me, and it's a plan of hope for my future. 
right? Uh, you know, they all know that, and I remember it whenever I was graduating high school and into college. God has a plan for me, right? But Jeremiah tells them that that plan is not going to happen for another 70 years. So in other words, high school students, college students, you have 70 years before you will prosper. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you're in high school and you're fixing to go off to college, you have at least four years, if not eight years, before you will begin to prosper. No, I'm kidding there too. God has a plan for us, and that plan is a good plan. But we can't forget that there will be struggles, and there has to be struggles in our lives before that plan, or so that plan can actually come into fruition. There must be a struggle. So now let's go back and let's look into the scripture that we have. Go ahead and look into Jeremiah because now I'm going to read from Psalms 80 for you. You're still at Jeremiah, right? I'm sorry, you're, you're, I was in, in Jeremiah. You're in Isaiah. Okay, but now I'm going to go to Psalms and I'm going to read from Psalms chapter 80. And it says, please listen, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock, O God, enthroned above the cherubims, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. And then we look down at verse 7, and it says, Turn again to your <clears throat> turn us again to yourself. O God of the heaven's army, make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. They are calling out. The psalmist here is calling out for God to reveal himself to them. Show us your glory. Show us where you are. Allow us to see you today. I don't know about you, but I have been crying out and I have been calling out to God for quite some time for God to show his face to us here in this United States and to bless us once again, to come down and to show us his mighty glory. We have been doing that. We find in Isaiah chapter 64 that Isaiah starts this chapter off with this great lament. He is doing exactly the same thing that the psalmist is doing. It says, Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. Now the mountains, or how the mountains would quake. In your presence, as fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason of your fame. When you come, when you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds 
beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. But you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be saved? We are infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Yet, no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are formed in your hand. Do not be so angry with us, Lord. Please do not please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are your people. Amen. I know that all of us has experienced at one point in time throughout our lives hopelessness. Growing up in Louisiana, I have seen many storms and many floods come through. I have literally seen and been and and experienced, uh, you know, stacking up bricks in homes to try to keep furniture out of the water. To before the storm ends, just simply standing back and watching as the floodwaters just wash it all away. We've all seen the videos and we've seen the stories in California with the floods, uh, the, the flood, the mudslides and the fires. I don't know of anyone here that has experienced any of those. Coming home or coming to a place that used to be home and everything being destroyed, being gone. I don't know if you've experienced that personally. I've watched it happen, but not to my home. How many of y'all were here whenever Hugo came through? Destroyed many of homes. See, it's that hopelessness. And it's that exact hopelessness that we find the Israelites in this passage of Scripture. The 70 years are over that Jeremiah talked about. And God has brought His people back. But whenever they came back home to Jerusalem, what did they come home to? They came home to a place that was destroyed. They came home to a temple that not a rock stood upon another. 
They came home to a temple that had a God statue that was placed at the altar of God Almighty. And people worshipped false gods in that building. They came home to places, to homes and stuff that they had once never seen. That vegetation had overcome. Everything was gone. But whenever we completely destroyed. Hopelessness. Hopelessness came across the lives and the hearts and the faces of all the ones that were in captivity that now were free to come back home. We, we live in this time We live in a time that we are calling out to God and we are asking God to show up in our midst to rescue us from all of this hurt and all of this harm. Yesterday I had the opportunity to spend the day with my grandson, Talmadge, in Carowinds. Man, that was a joy. Seeing him ride those rides, seeing him ride his first ride that actually was kind of really fast. And as he came around that corner and his face went from smiles to like, ooh, what was this? I got it on video. I really liked it. But, you know, the thing about it is, and this really does have meaning. Because as we're there, my son gets this text message. And he says, this is just great. The text message read this. There has been more deaths from suicide during the pandemic than people that have actually died from COVID. But we don't hear this because it doesn't meet the agenda of our government and the media. It doesn't meet their agenda. But now, wait a minute. Let's, so we have to kind of get this. We have to understand this. Okay, because our government and the agenda that they have through the media, I know that I'm going to get in trouble and this might not last very long on the media. But because of this, you know, we have, we have given the media and the government all the power that they have today. The government has not been a government for the people for at least 50 years, if not longer. The media has been filling our hearts and filling our children's eyes and minds with nothing but trash. And we allow it to happen because we still watch TV. If we put up enough fuss, maybe they would change it. I'm sorry I meddled a little bit there, didn't I? But Isaiah is talking about this. Because let's look into this. Because in, in, in Isaiah you know, 64, it's a lament. What he is doing is, is he is crying out to God. And asking God to show up and to rescue those people. Or to rescue the Israelites. We have been calling out to God and asking Him to rescue us from this dilemma and from the stress and from the strain that we are in in this world. 
We live in this already but not yet stage. We as believers are already living in eternity, but it's not yet perfect because we're still here on this earth. So we still have struggles, and we still have trials, and we still have turmoil, and we are still asking God to be with us and to take us through all of these things. We are asking Him to show us His mighty glory. The Israelites were calling out for it, and He gave us His Son, Jesus Christ, as a babe in a manger. The Advent season. We are preparing ourselves, but this lament quickly turns into confession. You see in here where it says, whoa, wait a minute. Nobody's calling out to God, right? You know, I believe it starts here in verse 5. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but we have been very, or but you have been very angry with us, for we are not godly. We are constant sinners. Goes from lament, calling God. And then as I would say, and as I, as it's a paraphrase from Pastor John Sadler, I would throw up my hands and say, whoa, wait a minute. God, I don't feel you here because I've done this. We are exactly where we should be, but for some reason we're surprised about it. Our world... And our government and the things that we are struggling with are all there because we haven't done what God has asked us to do. See, you don't, don't get me wrong. No, get me wrong. Because the government was never supposed to take care of the elderly. It was the church's responsibility. Welfare should have never had to start if the churches were doing what God had truly wanted them to do. The food stamps. If the church was doing what they were supposed to do, the government wouldn't have had to come up with that. We have failed society. So get this, Isaiah, his confession is a nationwide confession. Isaiah doesn't say, oh God, I have sinned. He said, we have sinned. And we are all sinning. And we are still sinning. He comes to this point, he's calling out to God and he says, wait a minute. We are getting exactly what we should get. We're calling out to God today and we're asking God to save us. 
I'll give you personal. Financially, we struggle, right? But we struggle because I decided to buy a new truck. We struggle financially because I decided to buy a motorcycle. We struggle, we struggle financially because we decided to buy a big uh, you know, playground set for our grandkids for Christmas. You, you following me? We financially struggle because we decide to spend the money on things that we shouldn't spend the money on. We are struggling in this world and we are calling for God to show up, but we have pushed Him completely out of our lives. We've pushed him out of the schools, we pushed him out of the government, and we expect the government to be a Christian government? We expect the schools not to have to have metal detectors and stuff in the schools because we've pushed God out of them. We are getting exactly what we deserve. But we stand here with shock and awe on our face like, oh God, please show up. I don't know why we're in this such of a mess. I got to get back to my notes here. See, lament, we call out to God. But that lament, whenever we're crying out to God, it, it, it clicks within us somewhere, or it should click within us somewhere. That, that God is still right there, but we don't feel like it because we've moved. John, he says, whenever I was saved... They just simply told me that somebody was going to come, was going to come up with this big 18-wheeler and it was going to be full of nothing but God's glory and God's blessings and praise. And your life is going to be great from this moment on. We give that to everybody. Man, look at the, come on now, look at the Israelites. Whenever they told of the stories of what Jerusalem looked like, did they prepare the people for the destruction of Jerusalem? Did they prepare them for the heartache that whenever they get back home, there's really going to be nothing there? Because we did this, because we sinned against God Almighty. I'll give you this little tidbit of information. They were in captivity by the Babylonians for 70 years. They were in captivity of Babylonian for 70 years because they refused to worship or to observe the Sabbath year. God told the Israelites that every seven years your land is supposed to rest. They didn't do it. Go ahead, go back and study it. You will find out that for the seven years, for the 70 years that they did this, each year represented a seventh year that they did not allow their land to rest. They brought it upon themselves the same way that we bring it upon ourselves. Our decisions. But we come to this, and where we are in this is that we, we have to be in this moment in time that it's not only that we're going to say or we're going to ask for forgiveness, 
But we have to have a broken, contrite heart that we literally cry about our sins towards God and towards this United States and this community that we live in because we have not been God's hands and feet to the people that live here. Terry has the out sign. I wish he was here. Oh, Marcus has it. Because there's not a person in this church. Nope. There's one person in this church that lives in this community. That's in the service today. Everybody else drives from outside of this community into here. We've missed the people right around this place, right outside our doors. It breaks my heart. But see, whenever we get to this and we confess, verse 7 comes to this end. And in translations, all translations, it either has a dash or it's a double space in between verse 7 and verse 8 that gives us this understanding that there's this great pause. And whenever we have this great pause, we see here that he has came to this point and he has said all that he could say about where they are and about calling out to God. And then he starts off verse 8 with either the words, and yet, or just yet. It gives us this space and this understanding that Although we have done this, and although we are standing here in the moment and we are reaping the benefits from our failures, failures, we get this understanding that there's this not yet. It's not over with. Amen? That's good news. Everybody should be saying amen. Praise the Lord. It's not over with yet. Our sins do not define to us. It is our Savior that defines who we are. If we believe in Jesus Christ, regardless of how far we have gone, regardless of the sins that we have committed, regardless of the shame that we have poured out upon God, regardless of how long and how many times we have forgotten the community around us, he is still our God, and He forgives us of our sins. He says, and yet, Lord, Father, you get it? And yet, John, regardless of how bad you've been, I still forgive you. And then it goes on and it says, through his forgiveness as the father, then it calls him the potter. So he is the master potter. 
So he is manning and he is moving and he is molding every single thing his way. And we are the clay. He's the potter and we're the clay. Through the struggles and feeling that he is millions of miles away from us. To the confession of our sins. To the acknowledgement that he is still our father. But he is only our father because we are his children. Because we believe in him, we are a child of God. And because we are a child of God, we are clay being molded in His hands, being molded every single day to be more like Him. That's kind of hard to understand, isn't it? Even whenever we sin, He is still molding us. And making us into who he needs us to be. I hear this statement all too often. God will never put anything on you that you can't handle. That's wrong. Because if God doesn't put anything on you that you can't handle, then you will never learn how to trust in him. The struggles that we face and the struggles and the heartaches that we go through in our life is all to make us trust in Him more. And every single trial that we make it through, we trust Him more and more. Our faith grows and grows and grows. Because we are captured By hope. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our hope and the only way that we make it is through trusting in Him. The birth that we are going to celebrate on December the 25th. That is the right day, right? That birth, that we celebrate that day, but it's the hope and the death and resurrection of that same king that was born that day that we live in because of who he is. Jeremiah said in 70 years. You'll come back. In 70 years, God answered that promise and brought them back from, and freed them from captivity. Before that, God had told them whenever they were in bondage in Egypt that he would never forget them and that he would free them from bondage. 400 years later, he frees them from bondage. The promise that we have, that he has a plan for us, a good plan, 
a plan for us to prosper, a plan for us not to have pain in our lives. That is a promise that will come true. Just like last Sunday, a promise that there will be a judgment day. There will be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is going to happen. His promises will be fulfilled. Our hope is in Him. But the thing about it is, their circumstances didn't change. Whenever Isaiah confessed of his sins, God didn't wave the magic wand and rebuild Jerusalem. He didn't take their pain away. They still had to build. They still had to suffer. It's the same thing here. It's the same thing for us. We are His children. He is the Savior of the world. He will come back for us. But it doesn't mean that our life is going to be perfect and easy and free. There will be struggles in our lives. But we know, because we have read the end of the story, we are victorious through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Satan is still throwing Hey Mary punches, trying his best to knock us out. But we've already won. We don't have to worry about it. We've already won. We are children of God. And He has provided everything for us. But we still have to suffer. Suffer. We're in the already but not yet. Jesus Christ has already came. He's living in our lives. We are living in the midst of eternity. But we're not in heaven yet. So we still have to suffer. But we suffer knowing, knowing that our Lord and Savior is true. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for today. God, I thank you for the words that you have given to us. God, I thank you for the hope that is in our lives because of your Son, Jesus Christ. Because he lives within us. In Jesus' name, amen.